0: Hello, wonderful humans. It's Lorna Morin, and welcome back to She Inspired, the podcast about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration in the hopes of inspiring and guiding other women to do the same. Each week, I bring you the stories of women from all walks of life who are very different but have one important thing in common. We are all on the journey of tuning in to that inner voice I believe each of us has, who knows who we truly are and why we chose to be here having this physical experience. By tuning into this voice, we can uncover the unique gifts each of us has to offer and that the world needs, and amplify our impact and our incomes in the process. The title of this episode is Tour Guide with artist, coach, and inherent explorer, Christy Wong. Hello, Christy Wong. Thank you so much for being here on She Inspired. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. Well, you are an artist. You work in multiple mediums. You're also a coach for other artists. And um, you describe yourself as an inherent explorer. At least that's how you described yourself to me when we first connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And you described to me how you really had to like fight to be creative. Uh, And that struggle has, from my perspective anyway, kind of informed uh, your identity as an artist and what you create. And so I'm really looking forward to digging into that more and understanding about how your life experience and the path that you've been following to your inspiration, um, what it's looked like and how it's informed who you are today. One of the first things you said to me when we hopped on the phone was that you've identified this theme in your life as of an unconventional teacher. And I was hoping you could take us through your journey uh, and talk about your life experience to date and kind of share the ways that that theme has shown up through your life experience.
1: Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Um, So first off, one thing that probably gives a lot of context um, is that I have been to over 13 different schools. Um, I, I did preschool in Hong Kong for like, a few months, because I, I immigrated to Canada when I was three years old. And from then, um, through many, many factors that sometimes are probably still unknown to me in my childhood, I ended up going to, I changed schools like almost every year of my life, except for maybe high school, which I only changed high schools once. And, and that constant change um, is one of the things that has taught me a lot. Um, I originally, so all of my schooling was done in Toronto, in the greater Toronto area. Um, and with, with a bit of my time in preschool in Hong Kong, but then I immigrated to Canada when I was three years old. So almost every year of my life due to different factors that maybe are still unknown to myself are, uh, I've been moving to different schools, either whether it's a new school or, or um, changes in the location of the, the home, things like that. So that's that's a little bit of background about me as um, someone who grew up with many, many different teachers. Hmm. Many examples, many different changes, having to navigate, finding new friends all the time, to hmm. still continue to find a way to be learning uh, despite all the changes around me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the unconventionalness of my schooling, I think it didn't occur to me until maybe later in my early 20s. But uh, I continued this streak of changing things up every so often. <laughs> and I would say I change things up every single year of my life, even up till now, maybe because of that habit. <laughs> I don't know. It was something that happened. Because school changed for me all the time, and some, somehow my own body craves that.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> it's just can, a theory. <laughs>
0: okay, that's really interesting. Can I dig into that a little yes, bit more? So, yes. when you say you've changed things up every year, can you describe more what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So, after the education system ended, which is for me in when I was um, twenty twenty one, that's when I finished my bachelor's degree. Um, that's when I, I started noticing what's more inherent to myself. Because, you know, you're not bound by the institution or schedules of semesters, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So in my entire 20s, I've actually been through a new career path every single year
0: of my 20s. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> T- tell us, more. okay, so can you, can, you, can you paint the picture for us? Oh, yeah.
1: Where, where did yeah. you start and where are you now? I like how you asked that question because, I often get overwhelmed when people ask me, what do you do? And I actually usually defer the answer to my partner, but you asking it, paint the picture, makes it more comfortable for me for some reason. Oh, good. <laughs>
0: Which I'm is glad. great.
1: Um, so to paint you the picture, yes. Uh, I got out of school and I didn't know what to do with the psychology degree. Um, I, I actually applied for my master's because I thought, you know, linear path, let's go for mm-hmm, it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I started feeling an affinity around second year of my bachelor's degree for social work. So I thought after talking to a lot of different people in the field, I thought that that's something I should try. So I applied, but I didn't get in um, because I was working too much <laughs> during my <laughs> university year. So my GPA wasn't as high as it could be. Right. Nonetheless, um, it didn't, you know, I was not happy about it of course and it was it was it felt like a failure but I I quickly got over that because you you gotta I gotta pay for my rent and do all the things um I stopped living with my parents when I was 18 um just something that I made a call for my my own psychological health Mm. and um yeah my first job ever was Um, I was still living with my parents and in this weird transition time, but I actually got trained to be a behavioral therapist. So I was doing a lot of work with kids with different behavioral issues. Um, It was very rewarding work, but with a toxic manager environment. So I I left that after a year, (laughs) Uh, went traveling for a bit for about a month, and then came back and started working odd jobs in the teaching space because I was connected to – The social community social work uh, organizations up in Markham, which is one of the towns, now a city in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And um, I was working with uh, older women, women who had different abilities. Uh, So uh, often for them, it was intellectual delay um, in the sense that they were 20 years old bodily, but their mind were still in like grade five range, for example. So I worked with a community of these amazing women for and we call ourselves the amazing girls group uh, for over six years. So I connected with their parents and they were at this crux in their life where they were um, there was no service for these people, for these women um, after the institution, after high school ended, there was nothing for them. So these incredible parents of theirs, they came together as a community and decided to form their own school. Hmm. Um, And I was one of the teachers. They hired me immediately. So for two or two to three days a week, we would come together at this old church and um, I would guide them through a series of different fun things, like some physical activity, a little bit of reading, a little bit of math, some fun activities, uh, just to kind of teach them how to interact with each other, uh, socialize, life skills, mm-hmm. all of that great stuff. So that's what I was doing for a little while there. That was my kind of next thing. It wasn't a really steady job. So then I continued on <laughs> um, and, and I ended up uh, getting a job in marketing. I stumbled into it from a connection and I was a coordinator. Uh, that was the first time me having a nine to five and a kind of more corporate setting. Uh, desktop. job mm-hmm. um, I after my contract is over which was about four or five months they switched me to IT because they loved working with me so much um, and that was when yeah I worked in IT and that was <laughs> I, I learned a new thing about myself I, I learned that I love interacting with people and helping them troubleshoot problems on the field and I got to know a lot of the sales managers all across Canada who worked on these big campaigns for big brands like Tim Hortons or Canadian Tire, and uh, it was just really great being able to do that. Eventually, I got laid off because there were changes and shifts in the community in the in the company. Um, mm-hmm. And then my next job after that, after a little bit of traveling, you notice a trend here. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love traveling a lot, so there's a lot of that happening. Um, I I came back and was. Not sure what to do, but I stumbled into a gelato shop that had very interesting, creative flavors. The chef was very creative. He used to be on Chopped Canada. And mm-hmm. the long story short is that I went in there, I was like jokingly chatting with him. Hey, aren't you hiring? I'm like looking for work. And he's like, yeah, why not? And then the next day, he he's like, come in and he hired me. And then I became, within a few months, I became the gelato chef at, at this, at this crazy gelato flavor store. And let me tell you how crazy <laughs> some of the flavors were. Peach, yes. Peach champagne, Please. pad thai gelato, like uh. all sorts of things. The very first gelato <laughs> I ever made in my entire life with machines and everything was called uh, black garlic fennel vanilla. So <gasps> it was incredible, wow. incredible stuff. So I loved working with this chef, like in the sense of his creativity was inspiring me. And um, the fact that he started a small business after winning Chopped Canada, which is a uh, it's kind of like Master Chef but for Canada. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of dive into this new journey of being in the hospitality industry and working back at house. Very long hours, 12 to 14 hour days. Um, at that time, I was like, at the same time, I was trying to fight to be creative because I always wanted to be an artist and I always wanted to. Explore that further, but I felt like my job choices or the financial strain or or even scarcity mindset I might have had Really pulled me back to think that I had to be working super super hard for every moment Um, but Ultimately this job that I worked for for a year again. That's another trend is one that kind of robbed me of my time for creativity. I was so mm-hmm. spent and tired. My body was breaking down. I remember by the next, like the next year, I was like my back was hurting constantly, and I was only right. like in my early twenties. So
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, this is <laughs> too, too young yeah. to have a
0: sore back. <laughs> yeah, and
1: this was from sure. lifting milk cartons. Up and down the stairs constantly. So it was just very straining mentally and physically and psychologically. Yeah. So I left that job. We're in good terms, very good terms, and I've helped him out here and there in different capacities. But I learned mm-hmm. a lot in that. And then the next job I had was um I went traveling <laughs> for five for six uh for five months almost. Came back from South America and started working at a chocolate company because that was my latest interest. Uh, It was in craft chocolate and the craft chocolate movement, uh, which really is showing and centering the voices of the farmers, centering the, the labor it takes to grow the crop, which is cacao that makes chocolate, centering the process of fermentation, how long and laborious it takes to bring good quality chocolate to the world. So I was really enthralled by all of that and ended up uh, applying while I was in Peru. Actually, I ended up applying for this job that I I was already connected with. I was interning for them before, but um, I'm like, Oh, this, this new opening. So I became their front of house animator as they called it. And I, I, I sold chocolate for like about half a year or so. Um, so that journey with that company was almost like a year long in total with, with everything that we did together. Yeah. Um, they laid me off. <laughs> I wasn't like the right fit for them necessarily because I was very passionate and spinning off and doing a lot of my own things like chocolate tastings. And maybe that was quite the best move to be talking about <laughs> at a chocolate store. <laughs> but I also ran workshops for them too. So anyway. Christy, you're so funny. <laughs> anyway, funny. you know, I learned things about that. Wasn't a good for sure. Um, So I was I was kind of looking for a job at that time. I did a little bit of freelancing as a photographer. I was actually freelancing throughout all of that almost as a photographer. And then um, I got another job, (laughs) and this time it was uh, as a marketing executive at um, at a sustainable fashion company. My boyfriend actually uh, was working there and there the the boss um really like took to me because we met at at a wedding and she really liked my personality and my creativity so they brought me on and that lasted a year you know at the end we found out I wasn't the greatest fit it was a little bit too conservative for me in that workspace and I exited (laughs) that and now comes 2019 end of the year I was just taking gigs um trying to get over a really horrible money scam that happened to me where I lost a lot of money and Mm -hmm. made it all back the next month. But it was very jarring and traumatic. And then I came back Mm -hmm. out of it, got a job just working with this small agency as a social media manager. And now here I am. I have my own little agency and I'm (gasps) going to be starting two more businesses next year. So it took a long time, but... That is the picture. I
0: learned a lot of myself. Oh, I can only imagine. And thank you so much for painting that for us in such detail. I really appreciate it. And I'm just so fascinated. Aren't our journeys fascinating? Because as I'm listening to you describe that period in your life of literally having a different job basically every Mm -hmm. year. um, And I'm thinking about who you are now as an artist. And it's like. Do you agree that you can see how each of those jobs, each of those experiences perfectly set you up to be doing what you're doing now, which is ultimately more aligned with like your purpose and what you, the work you feel called to do. Do you see, like, do you see it that way? Yeah, I
1: absolutely do. I, I really like celebrate myself every year because Every year I'm getting closer and closer to that alignment. And every year I'm finding something actually like this social media managing thing has been like one of my longest jobs. (laughs) One can argue. Um, I've had long jobs, but they were more part time or once a week kind of gigs. Right. So I wouldn't consider them a full time Mm. job. Like I was a food tour guide as well in Toronto um for two what two and a half years (laughs) so that's something I I, there's a lot of things in between that journey I told you that wasn't mentioned as well like side
0: games I've done
1: very interesting odd jobs um all all the
0: things (laughs) yeah but it can feel I don't know about you but I know for me as somebody who's also you know my path to my to the work I'm doing now which is like what like, you know, sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration Mm. and helping women really step into the power and own their own story Mm -hmm. and then create from that place. Like that is what I've learned I'm called Mm. to be doing. And, but certainly it's not what I was doing for the first 40 years Mm. of my life, right? So I can totally relate to this journey that, uh, you know, it's it can be long and winding for many of us. And I think for most of us it is. And I what I always find so... Interesting about it, and and really powerful actually about it is that when you're going through it, it may not the the perfection of it isn't clear, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You don't understand how this is perfectly setting you yeah. up for the next thing and the next but, thing. But then when you look back, you have the ability to see that. Just I call it like the divine perfection mm-hmm. of it, right? I believe into the divine timing, and so. Um, could you just talk a little bit about how you see the variation in your experience professionally? And then maybe you also see it personally, yeah. how it has contributed and, and really set you up to fi- to be where you are right yeah. now and, and, and capture this identity? Yes, that's yeah.
1: a great question because, like I mentioned, there was a lot when I painted that picture that wasn't... Um, that doesn't touch necessarily on my main passion, right? Which I've, I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. discovering, but I've realized that one of the things that I worked really hard on is, um, is one fighting to be an artist despite financial things happening to me or, you know, different hardships that came along or changing jobs or, you know, having, or being stuck in the notion that I can only make money in a certain way. That's a huge one um Mm. so one of the maybe i'll start from from what the what i'm trying to achieve now and i'll paint you back backwards how how the pattern yes but
0: that would be wonderful essentially
1: my dream right now i've realized is that i love to create space for people that is welcoming open um that allows for play and change of perspective um and one of the things that I think is the most powerful thing about art is the way it shifts the, the shifts ideas, shifts the notion of things. Like, for example, like one of the huge shifts in my life that was an art, I label this an art, is uh, when I first chatted with my friend, who also loves craft chocolate, about what chocolate was. And I had no idea. I am now, like, I feel like a changed person. Like, you know, I... I saw it one way as this kind of like Willy Wonka sweet, like craziness. Um, And then after I heard what it really was about, it, I could never unsee that, you know? So that's, Mm. that's really what I think art is about. And for me, I love capturing that essence through the workshops I do. So I do, I run poetry and drawing workshops every month um, for my community. Um, and, And this started just like last fall. Uh, and I've been doing consistently every month. And I realized I just really love creating that container for safety, for play, for discussion, uh, for seeing something in a different way. Um, I use drawing and poetry because it's been something that I, a tool that I use throughout my university when I would hide away at a cafe to draw and write instead of, instead of studying. Um, it was a huge release for me to be able to process my emotions through writing. But when I couldn't do it through writing, I did it through drawing. So there was this huge flexibility between the two mediums. I call it a translation between the two that I was able to maneuver because I practiced it. Um, inherently and and so I I didn't know it until last year but I thought that this was the perfect thing for me to teach um, mm-hmm. through this unconventional lens that I of my own practice um, and it was mm-hmm. you know that it was powerful I, I believed it was because I spent time many many years spending time in this process so going backwards um, I, I now see that facilitation is one of my strongest, uh, most practiced thing in my entire life. And to paint you back all the way back, since I was 11 and 12, I started babysitting. You know, I was really good with kids even then. I was an only child, so, you know, there was, um, I guess you, you mature a little faster. Some only children mature a little faster, I think and um Mm -hmm. i ended up being like you know just a natural leader in some ways and since i was 12 i was babysitting and then i spent most of my teens um as a camp counselor um as as someone who created programming i even created an entire camp for my church that was called an arts camp (laughs) and that was one of my favorite things i ever made in my life honestly um
0: creating this program
1: from scratch. I trained a whole bunch of counselors and I remember standing in the middle of the room and it was a huge room, like a gymnasium, big almost half a gymnasium. And there were like, maybe like over, maybe like close to like 30 preteens and teens who were like listening to me teach them how to be a camp counselor. And I was just like, I, I really credit those early days of, of, um, of being empowered by my pastors and my community to to teach and like lead in these ways and to create programming and I've always loved programming I just didn't really see see that it was a viable career choice I think but anyway I left the camp counselor thing after like five years of doing that and I continued on into university. And there I became an admin assistant at an architecture company uh, where I, you know, liaisoned with uh, the dean. I worked for the office of the dean. Um, I worked, I did a lot of communications and, and um, liaisons between teachers, professors, showing them a tour around the building. Um, I eventually in second year became a campus tour guide. And that is, that job is my favorite job to date. Like my favorite job I've ever done in my life is being a tour guide on campus. Um, I got to meet people from all over the world every single week, people from Japan, people who just moved to the city and got to interact with them in these, in these spontaneous ways. Like there's so many people that I've chatted with. It's, I can't even remember. (laughs) Um,
0: Was that, was that one of the reasons why you, you, why it was your favorite? Why was it your um, favorite job?
1: I think there were a few components I love that it was intellectual I had to know things right so I studied on the architecture and the history of the buildings um, I had to know how to talk and practice doing that um, but I also had to learn how to communicate and allow others to communicate back so listening um, I also had to and all these things I realized I loved you know and uh, the other things that I had to do was also, you know, make a connection right away. And i uh, that's one of the things that probably makes me, like, approachable and easy to work with. So th- all those things, and, and there's a physicality to it. We're actually moving and exploring a place together. And I told you before how I was, mm. one of my main things, one of my favorite things that comes most easily to me is exploration. Um Even though I walked the same route and the same tour every single week, constantly with new people, it was always new to me. I always found new ways to talk about it. Like I was able to play within those spaces, within the moment, um, create and affect the the environment, create and shape the conversations we have. That was super exciting for me. That's something that I really, truly love. And there was a lightheartedness because people also – got to see the campus from my eyes and I got to see the campus from their eyes uh, and what they noticed. So everything about that is like what I love. It's so interconnected, even though it's such a simple thing yeah. um, to just show someone around. It's it, there's so many layers to it to, for it to be a good experience. Right.
0: I guess like, as you know, I think I said this to you when we hopped on the phone the other week, like I'm obsessed mm. with story. And as a result of my own life experiences and beliefs that Mm -hmm. I've developed, I believe that each of us has a unique offering, something we are here Mm -hmm. to create and that the world needs. Right. And that's why I created this podcast. It's also why I launched um, a program for female entrepreneurs called Mm. She Activated, where we get really clear on what is that Um, higher purpose to which we're called through our businesses and how do we deliver on that in a big way. And so I want to ask you, taking in all these different um, experiences you've relayed to us, these identities, Mm -hmm. themes, I guess, through lines of your life, creation, uh, facilitation, Mm -hmm. teaching, um, exploration, and using your intelligence, your intellect. Can you describe how these themes show up in your current mm, Yes,
1: work. absolutely. Um, oh my, so, so many things interconnected. Um, I, was, I was actually start thinking about that as I was talking about um, how as a tour guide, you have to be able to tap into the audience and the people you're talking to right away, right from the bat. And as a social media manager who also creates, like also is a content creator, I create all the content for a lot of my clients Um, that's exactly what I have to do is through every post and interaction, that's exactly what it, um, is needed is one, you want variation in your posts. You want to connect with many different people who may be thinking the similar things, but in a different way. So every post has a different angle to it. Right. But it's also going back to the same service or product or, or value, um, and so I, I definitely use that a lot in my writing and in my approach to working with people. The one thing that I, I think um, maybe sets me apart or or that I really value and focus on is always establishing the values of my customers right from the bat. And I t- this is definitely akin to mm. me being a tour guide and getting to know you like within like 30 minutes, you know? I, I already know like what you're about and I could I could sense what you're looking for, what you desire. Um, and it's that curiosity that I bring to it that helps me to craft things um, and craft content for my clients, but also to hold my client's space uh, for branding and change. Because I really think a good social media strategy is all about leaving space for spontaneity and vex- flexibility and a changing of language and a changing and evolving of the person who's running the business because that's who you're representing. Um, mm-hmm. And also it's a chance to reflect back to them what they're doing, you know? What they're, co- how, how what they are doing is reflecting their values. And it's super powerful if, if you wanna even call it healing because when you try to do that constantly yourself, which I think people should be practicing doing through journaling and other ways. But uh, when you try to do that with yourself, it's so hard to separate yourself from the emotion of things and you don't get to the heart. Mm -hmm. You you get in in a cloud, you become in a cloud of chaos and you don't know how to pinpoint the origin of your behaviors. When you can be clear on that and have amazing people in your life who mirror back the things that you do and how they make you, you, Plus, you have other people, you know, telling you this, it it really takes the pressure off of yourself to like, be always, how do I perceive how am I perceived to other people? Am I aligned all the time? I think, I think community is so important to know what your identity and alignment is as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Well, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you are, Mm. you have some new things coming down the pipe. And so I wanted to ask you, tell us a little bit about, well, if you, I don't know Mm. if you're in a place where you want to talk about it, but I'd love to know what you can share with us about what you are creating, what's coming. And also people who are listening and I believe are going to feel called to want to reach out to you, connect with you, learn more about you and what you're doing. What's the best way Mm. to find you?
1: because I run a lot of Instagram accounts, I'm always on Instagram. So you can always find me um, at C H R W O N S T I E. Or you can, yeah. And that's, that's pretty much the best way to find me. And I would okay. like, obviously love to connect in, in, in the messenger or, or in the comments, I respond and read everyone's comments. Um, Cause Yeah. Instagram is a connective platform. It's all about facilitating connection. So that's what I like to use it for. And yeah, new things coming totally. out. Oh man, there are a lot. I'm still wrapping my head around some of them and kind of allowing myself to go through the process. But one of the things I'm working on is actually bridging my art practice, my art, my facilitation and art practice with my marketing practice um I started realizing that Mm -hmm. a lot of these analogies that I had for marketing um actions I guess um can be metaphorized they can be taken to a level that relates to us because at the end of the day like I said social media is a place to be social and it gets overwhelming for people for many reasons for one um it could be because they don't know how to use it and and then they get they get very caught up in like the metrics, the numbers um, in the wrong kind of uh, focuses of, of the platform. It gets really overwhelming when, you know, marketing people are constantly telling you like that. It's all of, this is how you reach more followers. This is how you get your numbers up. It, it's very overwhelming. And I think I want to bring it back to the heart of what it is for one and how to use it properly mm. and um, I think analogies are perfect for that so I'm, I'm actually crafting um, a new marketing workshop that hopefully if the first one goes well I, I will repeat or um, send out recordings for um, and it'll be an immersive one which will be similar to my poetry and writing workshops where poetry and drawing workshops where there will be components of you reflecting on your social media practice and what marketing is um, to unbox all these terms that we now feel so dissonant from um, or negative about even because it just becomes this like, oh my gosh, marketing, uh, business, uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on. So uh, that's the space I wanna create, a play space for marketing. Um so that's going to be exciting and coming up. K-
0: Christy, yeah. sorry, I just want to say to you I'm really resonating with what you're saying and I feel like you are absolutely on to something because I as a as a as a business owner who, you know, drives most of my mm-hmm. leads and sales through social media mm-hmm. and I work with women who are doing the same, I've really the feedback I'm getting in my sense of the situation is like, yeah. we need a new mechanism is the yes. only way I can describe it. You've put a lot more words to it than I've been able to, but I, I hear that repeatedly from the women with whom I work and just my colleagues and other women who are in my communities and networks. It's like, yes. there's gotta be a better way to do it. Yes. It's not feeling good. It's not the way that no. we're being coached Absolutely to do not. it. Right? Yeah. Now. I think we need yeah. a
1: refreshed perspective oh. on all of this. And I, Honestly, I've only been able to think about it because I have to, I have to literally be the one uh, managing over seven accounts at the same time. Yes, I've been through everything you've been through the the burnout, the I don't want to do this. How can I write? I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? I've been through all of that as Mm -hmm. like, everyone has been feeling this drag of social media. And this is why I have clients because they want to give it to me to do right. (laughs) <laughs> but i'm a, yes.
0: yeah. like, but I'm a finite this. i'm a finite
1: person yeah, i'm totally. already at my cap of clients you know i can only do so much and split myself so much to all these different brands and be, be so have so much heart in every single brand like it's i it's it's yeah. a major multitasking job major so I built the stamina to be able to take that on, but I've realized a lot of people don't you know, have that stamina and it, I don't think they should be testing it to the point I have. But anyway, uh, I do want to give them the tools to see it in a new way, in a way that is comfortable and safe and, and helps them to see the benefits of being able to share through social media and start conversations. And that's what we love about it is that it's able to connect with people. Anyway, so mm-hmm. that's a huge thing that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And then, as always, I have, like, um, um, my drawing and writing workshops. My next one is with my collaborator, who's an amazing children's lit writer, um, Lynn. She and I will be running a second part um, of our first part series um, for a space for immigrant, first-generation immigrant um, people uh, to, to come together and share space um, in, a, in an inviting and fun way. Um, so that's that that one's coming up as well, and then yeah I think I think things keep coming along, but that's that's it <laughs> you yeah,
0: all more yeah, will be revealed exactly. in the future i'm sure well, that is so cool and um i 'll have a link in mm-hmm. uh, this podcast so people Amazing. can find you on Instagram so they can follow you and connect with you and I have one yeah. final question for you and I'd love for you to describe what is the impact Mm. as you understand it right now? What's the impact that you're Mm. here to make?
1: Oh, I think I'm here to shift perspectives, to expand people's views. Um, That's always been the case. And I think I'm also here to be true to myself as much as possible because The greatest teaching moment is through example. Um, Mm. People learn the most Mm. when they are open and receptive to how others are living. And by living, I'm speaking of the action and the ways they go about it. Um, And not just what they say on their resume or their CV. That tells you nothing, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why I never like to talk Mm -hmm. about those things that I do. Because it never defines me. The things that I do are always, like, as a result from who I am, you know? It comes mm-hmm. from who, who I'm being. So mm-hmm. um, I really cherish people who recognize my essence without even knowing what I do. And that is what I mm. hope others can feel, because being tethered to what you do is a prison, honestly. It's not a nice place to be, and it also affects the decisions you make. Um And I think we can all see this through um, our institutions, our educational institutions, how they teach us, oh, you have to go to university after high school. You have to do a master's after that. Um, You must do it in this way that we've we've prescribed in this society. Um, And you don't, Mm -hmm. you just don't. Yeah, yeah.
0: (gasps) That is beautiful. So well said and What a powerful impact to be making. And I love it's consistent with everything you've described to me as I've been listening to the work that you have done, are doing, will be doing in the future. It's like helping people Mm -hmm. lift up and connect to that essence um, absolutely resonates with yeah. me, uh, feels very true to me about you. So amazing. Christy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you making the time to be here and sharing so generously of your story and your experience. Uh, thank and you. I just yeah. Thank you so
1: much for having me and all the amazing work you do. It's just powerful work.
0: I'm Lorna Morin and you've been listening to She Inspired. For more on this podcast and the other She offerings for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Lorna 2.0. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful stories of women who are following our inspiration wherever it leads.